Good morning, church. Good morning, online community. Um, you know, when you were talking about foot fungus, it made me think of what I was sharing with the pre-service prayer crew. By the way, um, I want to invite everybody into pre-service prayer. That's what heats the place up spiritually. And it fills you up. You come in here already freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. It draws the presence of God. 915 to 945, just in another room right over here. Just show up a little early, get into the prayer funnel and uh, help stir it up. But I was in there today, I was thinking about just the power of God's presence alone. Not prayer teams, not preaching, not worshiping, just his presence. And it, it made me think of, uh, and the foot, foot fungus triggered this thought. It made me think of how uh, I took uh, a team, our leadership team, a number of years ago up to Bethel up in um, Reading, Bill Johnson's church. And our youth pastor had gout on his foot. 12 years, he was part of a gout society online. He said the gout was so bad that sometimes he would have to crawl to the bathroom just to get his medication. And we were standing next to each other in worship. And uh, nobody prayed for anybody. Bill hadn't preached yet. Nothing had happened. We were just doing what we were just doing, just worshiping. What does God say about the praises of his people? Somebody. He inhabits. That means he manifests his presence. He's always with us, but sometimes he shows us that he's with us. And I'm standing there, and he elbows me like this. I'm worshiping. I'm like, don't bother me. I'm worshiping. He's like, look. And I look down. He was Hawaiian, so he always had on flip-flops. And I look down so you can see his foot. He had brand new skin on his foot. The gout was completely gone, and he had brand new skin. And it made me think of the time that Dan Kane, you guys first came to the church, you broke your toe playing volleyball with us. The first time you came to the church was a, a picnic outing and, and uh, he broke his toe. Welcome to the Gallon Place Church. And uh, that Sunday, he, or that next day, he comes to the church and he said his toe was broken and he had on his tennis shoes. So I couldn't see it, but myself and another young man in the church, we just laid hands on his tennis shoe and prayed. And, and uh, I got a call, I don't know, that afternoon or sometime, you guys told me that you guys went home, took the shoe off, took the sock off, and his toe that was black and blue, broken, what's that? Black, halfway of his foot, completely healed. I mean, this stuff, this stuff is easy for the Lord, amen. Uh, but I showed you a video just a few weeks ago of uh, an elderly couple that lives um, right near this church and they wanted to get water baptized and they were asking through the through our website they found us you know will somebody come baptize us I said, yeah i'll do that so i went over to their house after church just like this i just went over to their house and they both neither they had not really i think uh been saved and so i led them through this little bible study at their dining room table and they both gave their life to the lord and and then um asked what was going on with her hip you guys saw the video those that don't weren't here or you didn't see it but she, uh, she couldn't walk without a cane, and her hip was permanently out of socket, and the doctors couldn't do anything about it. And so her 10-year-old granddaughter was there. I said, well, stand up. And I asked the 10-year-old granddaughter to put her hand on her grandma's hip. And then I, and I laid my hands on the, the granddaughter's shoulders behind her, and I said, just say to her hip, in the name of Jesus, go back in place. And I didn't hear it. I don't know why, but they both jumped. And the young girl said, did you hear that? And the grandma said, I heard it. And this is one pop like that and it, and it just popped right back in place these things are easy for the lord and so um, why don't we just take a moment if you have sickness or disease in your body of any kind whatsoever jesus loves to heal 
So would you, just, you can just sit right there. Just raise your hand. Okay. The person next to you, people behind you, lay your hand on them and let's pray and let's ask the Lord to be himself in his own house. Back here, we have a hand up. Let's just take a moment. We're in church. Jesus said there's, there's a supernatural dynamic available when we gather together in his name. And we want to take advantage of that. So uh, those of you that um, don't have your hand up for, for prayer, inconvenience yourself and go pray for somebody who needs a miracle this morning. All right, now just pray in the name of Jesus. Now, now you might want to ask them what you're praying for. Just get a little bit of information just so you know how to target it. Say, what are we praying for specifically? So go ahead and just ask the person you're praying for, what do you need prayer for specifically? Tell them just a little bit, not your whole life story, and then just pray. Pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray now that your miraculous power begin to flow in this place. You are the healer. You are our healer. You are the redeemer, the restorer. We pray the bones snap back in place. We pray... Lord, that hearts would be healed. We pray, Lord, for sickness and disease to depart from your people's body. We pray for Agatha right now, who's um, probably with us online, just got a knee replacement surgery on Friday. We pray, Lord, for a rapid, rapid recovery for Agatha. We pray for uh, Kathy Mancini, who just had a lumpectomy. And we pray, Lord, that her recovery be rapid, Lord. We pray for supernatural healing here we pray for supernatural healing for those that are online. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen and amen. All right. Um, anybody here have something in their physical body that, like, if you had, like, pain from, like, if you do, like, a 1 to 10, like, maybe a 5 or 6 or a 9, and you know the pain dramatically just decreased, um, would you raise your hand just so we can see that there's an immediate response to our prayers? Okay. Um, Kathy Mancini, by the way, uh, one of the members of our church, she had a lumpectomy. They had, she had uh, breast cancer, and uh, Gary sent a message out, I think, uh, Friday that said she is cancer-free. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah, so thank God for that. Yeah, I just did. Yeah, but I love your heart. But what we do need for Gaitha is meals, right? So uh, Phil and Christina, they head up a ministry uh, called Family Needs Connection. That is to make sure nobody in our spiritual community falls through the cracks, that everybody has their needs met, especially when they are uh, in recovery, like from surgery or something. And so um, both the Mancinis and Agatha, who is up, heads up our prayer chain, they need meals, and so you want to see uh, Phil and Christina. Can you guys just stand for a second, just so everybody knows who we're talking about? Yeah, they brought an angel with them today, by the way. Uh, I did not know an angel was going to be visiting church today, but um, that, you know, that angel that was singing up here a little earlier? Wow, girl. Yeah. Goodness gracious. That was beautiful. Amen. All right. So, you guys ready for the word? We're in a series called The Power of Love. There is no power on earth more powerful than love itself. And today I want to talk to you about this characteristic of love, which I think is one of the most beautiful characteristics of the power of love. 
And it's what I call love sees beyond. Love sees beyond. Sees beyond what? Love sees beyond your hang-ups, your hurts, and your habits. When somebody truly loves you, they see beyond your weaknesses to your God-given potential. I mean, think about the love of a mother. You know, you get somebody, God forbid, a mass murderer, and what's the mom say when she's interviewed? He's a good boy. It's like, wow. <laughs> Only a mom, right? Because a mom can see to the core of her daughter or her son, to, the, to who God intended them to be, who he or she truly is. I mean, we all love those stories of a teacher or a principal that goes into a failing school with kids that everybody's given up on, and they, they, they give the kids hope, right? And they turn the school around, and the kids graduate, and they go to college, and it's a, it's a victory story. It's a story of hope where there was no hope, because somebody believed. Somebody came into a desperate, dark, hopeless situation with love. Well, nobody does that bigger and better than God. Nobody loves you more than God. Nobody sees beyond your pride, your lust, your greed, your covetousness, your envy, your brokenness, your control issues. Nobody sees beyond your fears, your doubts, your judgmental attitudes, rebellions, your wrong priorities. Nobody sees beyond your bad behavior, beyond your sin, like God. We all size one one another up so quickly, don't we? And we judge so quickly. And some of it, rightfully so. But God even sees beyond that. God sees you. Who He created you to be. And who He is helping you become. That is why Jesus Christ came the first time as a baby. To grow up and live a sinless life for you. Then die for your sins. Then be raised from the dead and break the power of death. Sit at the right hand of the throne of God and say, Now I have made the way for every single human being to become who the Father originally intended them to be. And the moment that you give your life to Jesus, that transformation begins. (laughs) Yes. Can I hear hallelujah? Hallelujah. Come on. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came the first time to heal the spiritually sick and to save the lost. Look, Look at this passage. Luke 5, 27 through 32. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. It says, Later... As Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. And he said to him, you are such a loser. There is no hope for you. You're irredeemable. You're so far gone, nobody can help you, not even me. Is that what he said? But isn't that what we say to ourselves about ourselves? Is it? Well, some of you know, because you don't do that anymore. But 
But we see our brokenness, we see our weaknesses, we know our own sin. We know the parts of our personality that we don't even like. Nobody else likes it, and we don't even like it. I said to somebody one time, I like that person better when they're stoned. I literally said that. I said, when that person's high, I like them better. They're nicer. And you know what the, person, the other person said to me? They probably like themselves better too, which is why they smoke so much. Right. And, and it's true. The person's lonely and depressed, is not walking with God. That used to be me. Jesus came along and saw me and said, John, come follow me, just like he did to Levi. And to many of you, he did the same thing, didn't he? And as soon as you said yes, that transformation began. And it's still happening today and will happen until you see him face to face. Can I hear another hallelujah? Thank God for God's love. It is the most powerful force on earth. So he says, he didn't say, hey, loser. He said, come follow me. And be my disciple. I love that. Jesus walks to the earth and he finds the biggest losers. He finds the, the farthest outcasts. He finds the weakest, the most sinful, the most broken. And he says, come, be my disciple. Hang out with me. Let's walk together. Let's live life together. Isn't that amazing about our Savior, our God, the holiest human being who ever lived did not isolate himself up on a mountaintop somewhere and meditate. No. He left heaven's glory and plunged into the sin-soaked, hell-bound world. And he finds us. <laughs> and he says, let's hang out together. Because he knows if we will hang out with him, it will transform us back into who God created us to be. Somebody's preaching today. So Levi got up. This is important. This is important. This is critical. So Levi got up. Levi got up. Levi got up. He didn't say, eh, not, not so much. Nah, I like my job. I like my comfort zone. I'm making good money. I don't want to follow a rabbi. Maybe later, I'll wait. No, Levi got up. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to get up. Go ahead, tell him. Say, you got to get up and left everything. Jesus said, look, some of you say Christianity doesn't work for me. Christianity's not working for me. You haven't left everything. You see, Jesus said, nobody's going to sit down to build a building and not yet see if they check to see if they have enough material to finish the job. You got to premeditate your plan and check your resources before you build the building. He said, or you'll get the foundation laid and you won't have enough money or resources to finish the building and everybody will laugh at you. Or if you go out to war, which you are at war with Satan when you say yes to Jesus. When you go out to war... And you don't first sit down and see if you can, with your 10,000 soldiers, defeat those with 20,000 soldiers. You're going to get in the middle of it and you're going to strike a peace treaty. Jesus said, if you don't leave all to follow me, 
you won't make it. You can't be my disciple. Not that I don't love you. You won't make it. You've got to. Peter, he left his fishing nets and followed Jesus. This is the prerequisite to have a successful walk with the Lord. You've got to leave. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of you might think, oh my gosh, that sounds awful. No, it's pure freedom. It's pure freedom. It's pure freedom. To leave all to follow the one who knows you better than you know you. Has a plan for you better than any plan you could ever come up with. Loves you more than anybody in all of existence. He says, come follow me. So he got up and left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But, everybody say but, <laughs> the religious people, the Pharisees, and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? You all know how I feel about religion. It is mean. Oof. Why do you eat with such scum? I love Jesus' answer. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Duh. <laughs> Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come, baby Jesus, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. Because these brothers weren't righteous. They thought they were. That's called self-righteous. And that's a bigger sin than any sin, any of the sinners that Jesus was hanging out, to were hanging out with were committing. Judging somebody else is the biggest sin on earth. It's self-righteousness. It's spiritual pride. Just read the Bible for a week after you haven't read it for a year, and all of a sudden you think you're better than the person next to you that hasn't read their Bible, right? You fast, and then it's like all of a sudden, yeah, me and God, we're tight. Do you fast? It's just amazing how pride just is so undetectable until it's like filled your, your mind, right? And all of a sudden you just think you're better than others. I remember when I was so broke, I couldn't pay attention. And then God prospered our business here in San Diego. And I was making money hand over fist. And I was just having fun paying people's rent, paying people's car payments, giving money to ministries. And it was so great. And then somebody came up to me one day and they said they needed $100. And I thought to myself, this thought came through my mind. How pathetic that you can't even come up with 100 bucks. And I, thank God, Mary, I caught myself. I, oh, my God. We think our self-worth and our net worth are the same thing. It just, it, just, it just creeps up on you. Your education, you know, how many letters you have after your name versus somebody who dropped out of school. God sees beyond everything to who we truly are. And who he created us to be. And who he wants us to become. Not prideful. Not fearful. Not lost. 
He's come to seek and to save the lost, to heal those who are spiritually sick, and we all are. So you know what I did at the, that pride? I felt that pride. I literally went to my bank, and I emptied out my savings account and my checking account, and I gave it in the offering. And if anybody else wants to do that today, you're more than welcome. I'm just leading by example. That's my calling. That's what God says, to lead by example. Because I knew I needed to feel desperation again. Because I'd become self-sufficient. And I was desperate. I couldn't pay my rent. Because I had no money. I had to go to work and ask God. And I was in sales, 100% commission, sink or swim. So I put myself in a jam on purpose because I needed to feel desperate and dependent on God again. And he blessed me and blessed me and continued to bless me some more. And we became a father-son duo partnership on earth to be a conduit of his blessings like, like I'd never imagined. It was so much fun. And we're still doing it now together as a church, a spiritual community. We give out lots and lots of your money goes out, 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 out. Because God taught me that. And we started this church. It was like, man, we are going to be giving out. We are going to be a funnel of blessing to the planet. Amen? And we've been doing that for a long time. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? I've come to call those not who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus said this in Luke 532 my purpose is to invite sinners to turn from their sins not to spend my time with those who think themselves already good enough wow jesus said that mark jesus said he's not going to spend time with people who think they're good enough i remember one time i was in india and uh this this the, the interpreter that was with me said he had his, 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 his house, his hut, was full of people wanting to hear the gospel. And on the way to his hut, walking through fields and stuff, we ran into Mr. Manipur. He was the bodybuilder, Mr. Manipur. And the guy said, That's, there's Mr. Manipur. He's, he's the, uh, you know, the, the champion of, of uh, you know, bodybuilding. I thought, ooh, I'm going to get him saved. Because if I get Mr. Manipur saved... Then, gosh, just think about the platform of influence in, in India, right? And so I start talking to Mr. Manipur. And we talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. He was so prideful. And I kept trying to work on him and work on him and work on him. And my interpreter was getting so frustrated because he had gathered his family, his relatives, his friends, people from the village. They were all waiting for me to come so they could hear the gospel. But I was after Mr. Manipur. We were there for like 45 minutes, nothing, because he thought he did not need a Savior. I was trying to convince him. I finally left, and we got to the hut, and all these people had been waiting and waiting and waiting. I shared the gospel with them, and then I said, okay, ask them who wants to be saved. And we're talking about, well, there are like four generations in one hut. It was just beautiful. We were, I think we were there together, right? You were my team lead. And I said, ask them if they want to get saved. And so he asked, and they all went like this. I went, oh, man, not one? And he says, they're ready. I said, what do you mean? What do you mean they're ready? They just all said no. And he goes, oh, no. Here, this means yes. I was like, seriously? 
They all got saved. It was so awesome. But I was spending my time with somebody who was self-righteous and spiritually prideful. Jesus said he doesn't spend time with those who feel like they don't need any help. Jesus said that. Jesus said in Luke 19, 9, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Now, I'm not saying that bad behavior is excusable and doesn't need accountability. I'm just saying God's love sees beyond it. When you were in second grade and your school teacher said to you, what do you want to be when you grow up, Johnny? What do you want to be when you grow up, Susie? Do you think any second grader said a prostitute? A drug dealer. I want to be an abuser. I want to be abused. Do you think any second grader said that? No. But what, but what, what do we do? We see people as adults that are operating in bad behavior. And again, I'm not saying there doesn't need to be accountability. But God sees beyond it to when they were in second grade. He sees beyond before they were even born. God says, I knew you before you were conceived in the womb. And I called you, Jeremiah chapter 1. God sees you. He's your creator. And he's the lover of your soul. God is calling you so he can restore you. This is where Romans 8.28 comes in. We love this verse. But I wanna, I'm going I'm to show you what this verse actually means in context. Romans 8.28 and 29. And we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into His plans. We love that verse. We have bumper stickers. It's a magnet on our refrigerator. We hang our hope on that. That bad things happen in life, but God turns all things for our good. And we use that primarily as God will take bad situations in life and he will make good situations come out of those. He'll redeem the bad into the good now tangibly in this life. And we all hang on to that. And so often he does. But that's not the primary application of this verse. And for some of you who have not seen good come out of bad and it really confuses you and you wonder why that verse doesn't apply to you, sometimes you're not going to get your reward for your faithfulness through hard times that never turned to good until you get to heaven. And God's going to say, I saw you walk through that valley of the shadow of death. And you never made it to a banquet table, but it's here now. That might help you not feel like a second-rate citizen in the kingdom of God when your bad situation didn't turn around to something good. And you wonder, what, what, what? Because this scripture, though God does do that so often, this scripture is not primarily talking about that. What's it talking about then? Well, let's keep reading. Let's not just stop. There's another verse after that verse. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, and all along he knew who would, should become like his son. So that his son would be the first with many brothers and sisters. What is he saying here? He's saying that God will take the suffering in your life, which is what that whole chapter is about, and use it to transform you into the image of his son, which is the ultimate good. 
He will turn all, he will use all things and turn them to your good. What good? He's making you into his son. Making you more patient, more empathetic, more dependent, more gracious, more merciful, more loving, more giving, more just like Jesus. That's the whole end game of the gospel is that you and I will be restored so much so we will look just like Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got a long way to go. Just go ahead and tell them. Just say, you, you just got it. You got a long way to go. But, but <laughs> but, but here, yeah, wow, that was pretty good. He says, I think you're pretty close, man. It's like, he's trying to get a free lunch off this guy. <laughs> But here's the great news. Look what Paul says about this, Philippians 1. And I am certain, everybody say, I am certain. I want you to be certain today about what he's about to say about you. I am certain that God, who began this, what kind of work? Good work. And it is work. And for some of you, it's overtime work. Your angel is working overtime. But it's a good work. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, Josh, He began it. Sometimes you, you ever feel like you, you take a step forward, you're more like Christ, and then something happens, and then you one of your issues come out, and you feel like you took five steps back. You ever felt that way before? You're just in process. You're just not as far as you thought you were. That's just the dross coming up. You're in the furnace. That's how they make pure gold. Gold so pure you can see through it. Like the, like the streets of gold in heaven. Right? You, you, you think you're Jesus Jr. And then, and then something happens. And all of a sudden, man, you're just... Ah! You're impatient. You're testy. You fall into fear and unbelief. Or sin of some kind. You're like, man, I thought I was so much farther than this. But God's not moved. Because he loves you. He's just getting that stuff out. So you can become more like his son. Wrong priorities. Right? All that stuff. He's, he's just fixing it. Little, little by little. We can, we can participate and make it easier on ourselves. That was just a little tidbit of wisdom for free. Let's see some of these examples recorded in Scripture of how God transforms lives, okay? Just, man, he's in the transformation business. He could have just stayed in heaven and just let us all go to hell. But he chose to come down here and to redeem us, save us, work on us, work in us, work through us. Thank God. Thank God he didn't abandon us. I would have. So would you have, huh? Huh? Yeah? You're in heaven? You look down on the earth? And a millisecond. Within a millisecond. Aren't you glad she's not the savior of the world? Right? Didn't he make it a millisecond? I just want to say that when you're writing off people this Christmas season, your relatives, the people you don't want to see, but you got to see it because it's holiday season, right? You're writing them off. God's not writing them off. God sees through their unpleasantness and he sees who he truly intends them to be 
And he wants you to partner with him in that. The love of God. Peter, here's a good example. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm running out of time here, the time I need to get to where I want to go. So I'm just, instead of reading that scripture, I'm just going to say it to you. So Jesus one day says, who do people say that I am? Peter pops up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now he didn't know that until this moment. And Jesus said, ha, my father just revealed that to you. Nobody convinced you I'm the son of God. My father in heaven just revealed it to you. Now I'm changing your name from Simon to Peter. Isn't that interesting? As soon as Peter saw who Jesus truly is, it's a, it's a spiritual eye-opening that only God can do, by the way. I mean, we, we can share our faith in Jesus with everybody on the planet, but God has to open their eyes. It's a spiritual transaction. We can't convince anybody. It is our job to tell them who Jesus is, and then the Holy Spirit takes the words that come out of your mouth and he opens that person's eyes and those words go into their soul. They believe, they, get, they have the gift of faith and they give their life to Christ. It says the, the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to those who believe it. So it's a spiritual transaction. This happened to Peter. Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. But when Jesus first met Peter, Look what he said to him. It says in John 1, Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, whose name is Peter. And it wasn't until a few years later when Jesus asked the question, Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. It wasn't until then that Jesus said, Okay, now your name's Peter. Cephas, Simon I mean, literally means a, a reed that's easily bendable. Just wherever the wind blows, the reed goes. That was Peter. He was impetuous. He was unstable. He was unorganized. He was a bit prideful, right? He would just go, like, you remember, the, remember when Jesus was in his darkest hour and Peter denied even knowing Jesus? So Peter sees himself as this way. Why do I always talk when I'm not asked my opinion, right? Why do I always jump out of the boat before you know, we're to the shore. And his friends probably thought he was a little obnoxious too. But Jesus saw him not as a reed easily bent and, and just going wherever the wind blows. He saw him as a rock. And that's what the word Peter means. A small rock. Jesus is the big rock. Peter is a small rock. So when Jesus says, upon this rock I'll build my church, he wasn't talking about building it on Peter. Why would Jesus build the church on a human being other than himself? No, Jesus was saying there, now that you see who I am, you're solid. Nobody can talk you out of that. Nobody can talk me out of the fact that Jesus is the son of God. I know he is because he revealed him to me. Has he revealed himself to you? Right? Nobody's going to talk me out of it. I know him. So I'm solid spiritually because I got revelation of who Christ is, but he's the rock. I'm just a piece of the rock. I got a piece of the rock. So he's calling Peter Rocky, right? But Jesus is the rock of Gibraltar that the church is built on, not Peter. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. And he's building it that on, on little Rockies all over the place. 
Jesus has transformed you. He's not going to leave you lost unless you want to be, and he's not going to leave you the same. Okay, real quick, here's some other examples of Jesus transforming people's lives. In the first century church, they, the church saw a guy named Saul as the number one persecutor of the church. Jesus saw him as the number one apostle of the church. Whoa. Do you think anybody else on earth saw Saul who was imprisoning Christians and having them murdered? Do you think anybody saw him as the future leader of the very church he was trying to destroy? Anybody? Think anybody saw beyond that bad behavior? (laughs) That's bad behavior, right? But Jesus saw him as the apostle of the church. Isn't Jesus amazing? Oh, he sees beyond your bad behavior and your brokenness and your weaknesses. He sees beyond it. He sees who he's making you into. People saw Zacchaeus, the tax collector, as a ruthless taker. Jesus saw him as an outrageous giver. If you don't know these stories in the Bible, hang around. You're going to learn about all sorts of people Jesus has transformed. He would rob people and take their stuff. One lunch was Jesus. He says, I'll give four times back to the poor, and I'll give half my kingdom, half my, half my, half my wealth. People saw the woman at the well as, a, as worthless to society. Jesus saw her as the first evangelist to her people. Oh my gosh. Do you think anybody in Samaria saw the woman at the well? John chapter 4, if you want to read the story. Do you think anybody in her town saw her as an evangelist? Jesus did. First evangelist in the New Testament, a Samaritan woman. (laughs) Jesus. That's why he got in so much trouble, Mark. The religious people would never ever pick her. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, that's why he got in so much trouble. People saw the woman weeping over Jesus' feet as a prostitute. Jesus saw her as a true worshiper. People saw Nicodemus as a religious Pharisee to be feared. Jesus saw him as a seeker and a future advocate. People saw Nathaniel as a cynic. Can anything good come out of where? Nazareth. El Cajon. Wow. 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 See? That, that's geographical pride right there. Central San Diego, I guess, has got a leg up on El Cajon. People saw Nathaniel as a cynic. Jesus saw him as a man of integrity. When you, when you mess up, don't say, I'm hopeless. Say this instead. When you screw up, just stop and say, or when this bad behavior comes out of this weakness in your character, the thing about yourself that you hate the most, more than anybody else who's afflicted by, just stop and say, God, what do you see? He might say something like, 
You're out of line, but you're not hopeless. You might say, you're weak, but I'm going to make you strong. You might say, you're sinful, but I'm making you holy. <laughs> oh, our God. You're in process. You're on your way. Okay, I'm going to take a couple minutes to land this plane. Here's the great divide. The way we see ourselves and the way we see others versus the way God sees us and the way God sees others. That's the great divide. And as I said, we judge each other so quickly on each other's behavior because we don't see with God's eyes. But look at this amazing scripture in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. God says, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Wow. You can make a lot of money in the sports world with that right there, right? <laughs> Declaring in the stock market. Declaring the end from the beginning. Do you remember in Back to the Future 3, I think it was? Right? When he gets the, when he gets the, 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 the sports almanac. Right? And he knows all the sports. And so he goes back in time. And then he bets on all of it. Right. Yeah. God sees the very end of the game. He sees the end of your life from the beginning. He has a plan for you that he's working on right now. He's just trying to get your partnership. He's just trying to, he's wooing you. He's trying to persuade you and convince you to say, yes, Lord, get up, leave it all, and follow Jesus. And as you do that every day, you're being transformed into the likeness of the Son of God. Otherwise, you're just going to keep irritating everybody. Facts. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient of times, things that are not yet done, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. One quick story, one scripture, and I got some questions for you in our response time. Some of you may have heard this before, but some of you haven't, and it's worth retelling, but I'll, I'll shorten it. I had a couple of employees. I'd led them both to the Lord. Then they fell into adultery. And I was standing on a street corner by my apartment. I was in my mid-20s. I was single. And I found myself weeping. And I was weeping over them. First, I asked the Lord, why am I weeping over these people? Why do I even care about them? Because when the Lord called me to be a pastor, I told him that's a really bad idea because I'm really selfish. I only care about me. You and I both know that. I actually said that to him because it's true. And it's not like he found out about it when I told him. Right? <laughs> And I, but here I am weeping over a couple of my employees, and I'd never done that before. I didn't know what it was. And he said, I've given you a pastor's heart. And I'm not saying that for you to think I'm wonderful. It was, it's him. He's transforming you. He's transforming me. He puts things in you that he needs for you to do his will in your life. He will do that. It says he gives you the ability and the desire to do his will. So he put a pastor's heart in me. So I said, could you please take it back? I don't like this. This is awful. Feeling this way for your people. And then I, then I thought, 
How do you do this? I'm, I'm completely overwhelmed and devastated and brokenhearted and sad and crying over two people who are backslidden. You have children backsliding all over the planet. How do you do this? And he said, Aiden, he said, by faith. I thought, by faith? What does that mean? How, how do you, what? I didn't get it. And then I, one of my neighbors saw me walking down the street and he ran up next to me and he goes, what are you doing? I said, crying. He said, why? I told him why. And I told him what God said. I said, by faith. I don't understand how faith has anything to do with this. And he said, well, what's the definition of faith? I said, the faith is the uh, evidence of things uh, hoped for. I'm sorry. The, substance, the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not yet seen. I'm like, oh, could have had a V8. Of course. <laughs> faith sees the end from the beginning. I was all caught up in their adultery. And, 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 and where they're at, God is caught up in where he's going to have them end up. Woo! Come on, somebody, somebody, somebody. And so that helped me to be a much better pastor and a much better father. I hope it helps you as well that we don't get caught up in when he, where each other are right now. Let's get caught up in where God intends us to end up. <laughs> That's so good, isn't it, Adrena? You're loving it, aren't you? I know. I can see it all over your face. It's just good. Our God is so good. That's why Paul writes this. And this is the scripture we'll close with. So, everybody say so. <laughs> Having said all that, so we have stopped. This is in the Bible. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Wow. That's what we need to do starting today. So we have stopped. Everybody say stopped. Turn to your neighbor and say stop it. Just, just stop it. Say stop evaluating me according to your human point of view. Go ahead. Give it to him, Adrena. All right. Go ahead. Turn it. Take the opportunity to talk to your spouse right now. Stop evaluating me according to your human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. See? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. God has given us, family of God, this task of reconciling people to him. We are now in the restoration business. Father, son, father, daughter, God and you reconciling people to him. And you're not going to be able to reconcile people if you're judging them. We have to see one another, not according to our human point of view, but according to God's view. That's the power of God's love. So I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to ask you some questions, okay? This is response time. You've heard the message. Now let's let the Holy Spirit, let it do a work in our hearts. Just close your eyes online if you want to join me. I'm going to ask you some questions. God wants you to reach others with his love just as he reached you with his love. So the question number one, how has Jesus loved you? Conditionally or unconditionally? 
Has he forgiven you or does he hold grudges against you? Has he blessed you when you didn't deserve it? Is he better to you than you deserve? Has he gone the extra mile for you? Like coming down from heaven to save you. Has he stood with you when you were rejected, abandoned, accused, or misunderstood? Has he comforted you when you could not be comforted? Has he given you hope when there was no hope to be found? If so, then make it your life's aim to see beyond people's bad behavior and love them with the love of God so you can partner with God to help restore them back to health. I believe the Holy Spirit has given me a prompt here, so I'm going to lead you in it. I think this is spontaneously from the Holy Spirit. If you can just keep your eyes closed for a moment and online join us. If you, I want you to think of someone that really annoys you. Someone maybe that has hurt you. Someone you hate. Someone you would hope you never have to see again. I'm sure you have somebody in mind by now. If you lived on the planet long enough, you've got at least one. Now I want you to ask the Lord this question. God, how do you see that person? How do you see them? give you time for the Lord to reveal this to you. Say, Lord, how do you see them? Okay, now I'm going to ask you to do what I believe the Lord prompted me to have you do. Spend a moment and start praying for them. Just start praying for them. I've got one I'm praying for right now. now I'm going to ask you to put your hand over your heart I want you to follow me and pray this prayer with me to say dear Jesus this holiday season when people annoy me at the store come on people cut me off in the freeway people I don't like at work getting awfully quiet in here relatives I don't want to see I'm asking you 
Fill my heart with your heart. Help me to see beyond their bad behavior. To see them the way you do. And help me to love them with the love of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and worship. In a moment after we sing one song, I'm going to invite the prayer team up. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, you can come up and do that. If you need physical healing your body or prayer for anything, you can come up. Some of you have never gotten up and left it all to follow Jesus. You said yes to Him, but you really have not left it all to follow Him. And today's your day to do that. And I'm going to stay up here as we we worship, after we sing one song. I'm going to call the prayer team up. And if you want to come up for that prayer, I'm going to pray with you and help you just leave it all, follow Jesus. I'm telling you, you're going to experience a freedom you've never known before. Let's worship.
lifted up forever. Name that shakes the earth and shakes the heavens. The hope of every heart, Savior of the world, Jesus. Sing the name. The name that's lifted up teams please come up front and uh if you've never given your life to jesus why don't you come up and do that today you'll leave here with a peace in your heart you've never known before it's a peace that he gives to those who say yes to him and as i said earlier some of you you said yes to jesus but you've never really left it all to follow him and so today's that day you'll walk out of here with such a freedom such a power of the Holy Spirit. You'd be glad you did. Amen. All right, if you need prayer, come on up. God bless you. Hey, go love somebody this week, and I'll see you next week. Hey, these uh, cards on your seat for their Christmas service, please grab those, the Christmas service, not the Christmas service, the Christmas service. Grab those. It's so easy. I was at, a, I was at the battery store down here uh, this week in El, uh, Escondido, and I just had one in my car. I said, hey, you got somewhere to go for Christmas, Christmas service? Here, come to our church. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to show this to so-and-so. It's so easy. You got somewhere to go for Christmas? 
give them a card. So don't let any of these be left on the seats. Please grab them. Please give them out. Please invite people next week right here, Christmas Eve service, and they're going to hear the gospel. Let's see people come to Jesus on Christmas. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Any prayer? Come on up. Hey, friend. Good, gosh.